This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige and engineering first. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello and welcome to your latest instalment of the World's Best Construction Podcast. I'm your host, Fred, and as always, I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts, Luke and Liam. Let's come to Liam first this week. How you doing, mate? I'm doing great, mate. I'm doing great. Um, had a bit of good news uh, the last few days. Um, you'll, you'll find this particularly interesting, Fred. I have uh, fixed my lower back issues, mate. Have you? Yeah, I um, so Luke, you're obviously not across this. Um, I've had lower back issues for about 15 years. It stopped me from like, uh, you know, deadlifting, doing heavy weights, even like sitting on the couch, um, and and things like that. You know, it flares up, and I and I can't walk for a few days. Anyway, so I've seen dozens mm. of physios over the years. Uh, they always just give me different random stretches, and I saw this uh, new specialist in Sydney last week, and within 10 minutes, he's he's like, mate, you have a twisted pelvis. And he did some wow. little stretches, made me march on one leg for a bit, and uh, I felt no pain in a week. Wow, that is revolutionary! It's life changing. What's his mate? number? Mm. I might come down to Sydney to get some of that. I may, I'd, <laughs> I'd recommend it for you. I don't know how much, how, how many issues you have with your back. I, I, I was stunned. Like within fifteen minutes, he's like, "I've got a diagnosis for you. This is it." I was like, like a miracle blown away. Mate, yeah, it's 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 fantastic. Uh, so yeah, so it's been a great week. Um, yeah, looking forward to the future. Luke, how you been, man? How's, how, how, how have you been? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad at all. Um, I feel like I uh, I feel like I need to make a public a statement because when I was editing last week's episode, I was like, "Why?" You know, you do stuff and you go, "Why? Why? Why did you say that? Why did you do that? Do you guys do that often? I do that like all the time, hourly." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hourly whenever last, i listen in, to the podcast yeah <laughs> no 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 you guys are great i was like last week i was like why did i go why do i start talking about oh i think the skyscraper's leaning the other in the other direction <laughs> i don't think it's leaning north <laughs> i've not done the research do you know what it, i was like so when when i was editing i was like why did i say that why what what gave me like inspiration to, to or, or think that I, the divine right to say that. So I went back on the video and I was looking, I was looking at, I was like, why, why, what, what triggered me to say that? And you know what it was? Yeah. I was like, the cladding is all on one side. Yeah. Of this, of this skyscraper. And then we were doing diagrams of the tower, like leaning in a certain direction. And it was, I think it was the diagram where the diagram was leaning. It was facing downwards downwards uh, like toward lower manhattan not up toward upper manhattan or midtown or whatever you want to call it and so in my head i was like hang on that would be like southwest not north or whatever it is but obviously i'm wrong but i just wanted to add some context to my little mental (laughs) breakdown i had on last week (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> podcast and listen do you know what part of me still part of me still thinks i'm right <laughs> which yeah, i can tell by the way you're trying to justify it at late on, on this intro mate i reckon. i understand it does say in the corner for illustrative purposes only not to scale so you know yeah we're covered thank, don't thank you so much for sharing that story mate thank you so much thanks thanks liam thanks fred <laughs> so Cheers. glad you cleared, got that off your chest buddy yeah Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> i feel like we can crack on now we we yeah, can I carry mean, on with the podcast to reassure listeners after those those two pretty dull stories to be honest we have got a good episode coming out for you today we've got some exciting stuff coming your way <laughs> 
<laughs> actually yeah i'm all right mate i'm all right I've, joe nothing's happened in my life so i'm not going to try and scrape the barrel and say something boring to you guys i'm just going to crack on with the podcast episode so come this week guys we're looking at the engineering of the world's most complex office building over in antwerp belgium architect gene Cohn has passed away we're going to look at his incredible legacy with kpf Phase 2A of the UK's HS2 Railway has been delayed by two years. Some shocking news around that project, which we're going to dive into the reasons why. And also a new office block has been announced on London's South Bank. Whole thing as ever is going to be sprinkled with some of your comments from the week, laced with witty banter. Let's go. So first of this week, we're looking at the engineering of one of the world's most complex office buildings over in Antwerp, Belgium. This is a pretty cool story of a star architect's final masterpiece, a gravity-defying feat of engineering, and of how a 1,500-year-old city is kind of facing up and finding ways to tackle its 21st century destiny. We are heading over to Antwerp, Belgium to talk about Zaha Hadid's Antwerp Port House. This is very exciting. I love this building, one of my favorite buildings she ever did bit of context for you on Antwerp. It's kind of Europe's gateway. It's one of the world's fastest growing container ports. 290 million tonnes of freight pass through here every year. It accounts for more than 26% of all Europe's container shipping, all coming through this one port in Belgium. It's crazy. From there, ships go out to more than 800 cities worldwide. So this place is, is a real centre of trade uh, for Europe, as we said, a real gateway to Europe. It's now going through a 1.6 billion euro 15-year investment plan, which started back in 2010, all to help it keep up with growing shipping demand and to modernise its 12 kilometres of docks that it's got around the around the harbour side there. Part of that involved new office space for the Port Authority. Now, when I say new office space, they're actually looking for a new building for 500 staff. So this was a pretty big affair. It wasn't a small building by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and to do that, they wanted to create a new landmark building. They wanted to make a statement. They wanted to reinvest some of the fantastic revenue they'd had from being a big container port for a long time. Uh, so they turned to legendary architect Zaha Hadid, the late Zaha Hadid, who at the time was um, really at the pinnacle of her career. I have to say she passed away in 2016 um, when it was, that was a big shock to a lot of people. She really was at the, at the pinnacle of her career. The problem with this is there was something already on the site. So there was this heritage-protected firehouse dating from the 1920s, which couldn't be demolished. All the facades on all sides of it were important and couldn't really be disturbed or interrupted. And there wasn't any room to build around it. So to expand that building and make it bigger, Zaha Deed proposed renovating the firehouse and constructing this enormous 6,000-square-meter office building on top of it. What you have is this now beautiful, restored heritage firehouse with this enormous kind of diamond-shaped glass structure kind of hovering over it. It's an incredibly dramatic building. As I said, one of the last products that Zaha Hadid herself worked worked on before she passed away in 2016. I love this product. It's one of those ones that when it mm. completed, really, it just catches your breath and takes you away and thinks, wow, like it's incredible that we can design and build stuff like that. What did you guys think? I... Um... I love this. I love so much about this building. Um and there's a there's a lot there's a lot to talk about. I think the first thing that I'm going to say um that kind of like jumps out to me is just like the reuse of old buildings, you know, instead of just tearing it down or saying or or maybe even um you know, upgrading the interior or maybe doing a very conservative expansion. You know, this happens a lot in London or in Paris. You kind of add a few levels, but those levels are set back. You can't really see them from, from street level. You know, Zaha, what, what, what she did here was just go, nah, let's, let's, let's embrace something completely new. And as you say, brilliantly in the video, mate, like, is it highlight the, 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 the contrasts or something like, the ending, the ending of the video is very cinematic, by the way. Very Ooh. impressive. Yeah, thank you very, very much. Impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I really like it. Um, but no, there, there, there's just so much about this 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 design that I really, really admire. Um, it is a little bit out there. I can understand why it's not necessarily a building for everyone. Um, what's weird is going back. I, I've I've gone on uh, a forum. 
that I that I go on a lot just just to have a little browse of what people thought of it while it was being built. So this was, you know, like up to 2016, as you said, Fred. And it's it's crazy how many people actually weren't a big fan of this this structure. You know, whether they're in Belgium, whether they're in Europe or around the world, they're like, do you know what? Just doesn't work for me. Um, Liam, what what do you think of this? Uh, yeah, I've got I've got a different opinion than you guys. I think it fits the surrounding area very well until it tells the story in many ways. You know, it's a nod to the diamond industry. You know, mm-hmm. why the city is what the city is so famous for, and the river which made Antwerp so wealthy. And I like the new structure. But I feel like it's been plonked on top of a building with a very different character. And I think it's too Mm. modern for that historic building. And it just, for me, it just looks, it just looks unnatural. It's a bit of an eyesore to me. Um, Yeah, which is a shame. Mm. I'm surprised, Liam. I thought you were going to love this, mate. I I really wanted to. Mate, I really wanted to. I, I, I watched the video three times. And I was like, I really want to, I really want to like this video. I think up close, I looked at some of the high res images up close to it in different lights at nighttime, the sun coming on it and things like that. I think it looks like amazing. It looks really magical, but mm. just that historic building with something so modern on top of it. I just, I just can't, I just can't get on board. I, I do not, I, for me, for me, like, I feel like it, it's, this is starting to feel like a debate here in it, but like, uh, I don't know. It feels like there's a story being told, you know, like um, not to get too arty-farty or anything, but it's like you've got the old sort of Antwerp, the old Belgium, the old ways below, and then coming out out above it is this kind of like new, this new personality, you know, this new age of arguably like Europe, new age Belgium. And so therefore the architecture has to be different. It has to show that it's from a different era. And on top of that, it's shaped like a ship, you know, from certain angles. You're like, oh, that's clearly like a ship. So it's a nod to uh, naval war, um, or, you know, shipping and, you know, which is the really port. important. To, <laughs> yeah, port, which is really important to Antwerp and to, and to Belgium's economy. But um, I, 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 I adore it. And I think those are conscious decisions you know so what might come across as a bit random and you know i'm not saying you're wrong liam because i i get it i get why looking at this should go hey, what's going on here like what <laughs> who's who's done that who's decided that was a good idea but i don't know i think that what what isn't there a saying that great art divides you know great art kind of gets people talking and i don't know this is one of those buildings there's no disputing Fred? that it is there's no disputing that it is very impactful eye catching bold daring and it would n- it is shocking it's a shocking thing to have done this enormous glass structure five story high glass structure on top mm. of a heritage building like that is is very i guess deliberately eye catching and landmark it's supposed to make you look again catch your attention talk about it cover it on international youtube channels you know <laughs> mm. <laughs> give it give it all the press exposure it needs I think it's kind of, they've deliberately made, they've deli- to Liam's point, I think they've quite deliberately gone for that in order to catch your eye and, and get attention. I can completely understand why some people don't like it. And we say in the video, some people don't like it. They think it's form over function and that the office space isn't actually as good as it could be versus the presentation of it. But yeah, I don't know. For me, it, it's I for me I like it. I think they could have gone underground, they could have extended the building sideways in some way, they could have built straight up from the middle of the courtyard in the middle of this firehouse. And it's worth saying there was an international design competition for this, and some of the other designs had a similar thing of putting a structure on top of the firehouse. Mm. But Zaha Deeds is far and away, I think, the boldest, most dramatic, best looking. And yeah, I think I think it's good. I think it's good that the Port Authority went for this, went bold for this. And as we say in the video, as Luke was alluding to the the conclusion of the video, it's a project that it takes two very different styles and kind of blends them, not by hiding their differences, but by highlighting their contrasts. I think that Mm. all together here, personally, for me, works very well. What about the interior then? You've mentioned the interior. You've mentioned the offices. Are these offices that for you guys seem 
like workable workable from or is it like um form over function would you reckon it's it's definitely it's definitely a functioning office right it works as an office they've been using it for several years it it's fine Mm. i think if you were to look at the science behind the most efficient office layout you could design for packing people in and maximizing productivity and all this kind of stuff it probably wouldn't look like this but it does still fulfill its brief and mm. has provided office space to the port authority so yeah yeah i agree with that i i find it interesting though that it is a uh like tourism hub as well you can book guided tours of the building i feel uh, f- for me it represents more of like a museum if that makes sense, um, than an actual office building. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's very minimalistic. Um, it doesn't really, I mean, it's completely opposite than the traditional office design, like you're mm. saying, Fred. Mm. Um, I personally, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not too sure. I'd, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd prefer another office to be honest. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Liam's out. It's a no from Liam. I'm, <laughs> I'm liking this. Man. I'm liking the hot takes. Do Do you think in like in the f- in the future they will look back at this tower or th- this this building, this structure, and look at kind of this diamond shaped ship that's been plonked on top of this old building? Will they look at it as almost like disrespectful? to the building below it do you think history might not be that kind to a structure like this because already it's quite even among us like it's it's quite divisive isn't it i think if you look at past projects that have done a similar thing provided they're well executed they tend to become quite revered and celebrated i'm thinking the uh, you know the reichstag in berlin is one that jumps to mind um the british museum is one that jumps to mind you know i think where this is done well it becomes celebrated. I've seen many examples where it is done cheaply and a mm. bit kind of bang averagely, and that doesn't work <laughs> at all. So, but I think in this in this scenario, it, it, it would have been easy for them just to create a new standard, very efficient office block on the waterfront. But what they've done here is create a landmark that brings people to Antwerp that is Instagrammable. Talk about you know you can talk about it on the news and the media. Everyone's interested in it. Everyone knows about it. It's a it's an eye-catching landmark project. So it's kind of fulfilled both parts of its brief. It's, it's increased office space in the firehouse and made it a workable location for the port house, for the port authority, and also mm. created a landmark for the city. So, yeah, and that to me goes to the heart of what Zaha Hadid does best. Uh, I adore it. I adore it. I'm looking at photos of it now. And I'm like, oh, it's it's just so it's so out there. It's so it's so nice but i don't i i suppose the only thing is that um it's in it is in a like a working port isn't it it isn't a working port it's not in a city center so i wonder how um appreciative people are who work in the port who maybe come to the port i i, I wonder what they think of the building you you wouldn't you wouldn't forget you're in antwerp do you know what i mean like if you were if you were like a sailor or something you're like well, you're waking up you open your window you're like, oh where am i today oh, am i in like yeah, am, I, am i in ethiopia am i in china like i forgot where i am and you open up and you're like oh yeah there we go there's there's the huge diamond building plonked on top of this old european style building um you, you know where you're gonna be aren't you that's so, how it works. That's how international container shipping works, you know, because the sea all looks the same. They've got no idea where they are. They just wake yeah. up in the morning and go, oh, scratch the heads, look around, see what landmarks they can see and go, do you know, do you know, mate, I think it might be in Antwerp this morning. Nah, mate, that's the Statue of Liberty. I reckon we're in New York. <laughs> yeah, mate. Well, it'd be better than Port of London, mate, which is like basically near Corringham or Stanf- Stanfordly Hope in South Essex. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no they're like where, where is everything oh there's nothing here it's in the middle of nowhere they've quietly built this i can i used to be able to see that from near my house the old port of london the new one that's a that's a huge infrastructure project that's kind of been built out of nowhere a lot of people don't really know about it it's one of the biggest ports in europe isn't it there you go mate if you recognize which port that is you you maybe got a career in container shipping <laughs> maybe i have mate do you know what, Fred? I'm going to... where you are from what you can see. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to long this BIM stuff off, mate. I'm going to long it off. I'm going to go into the world of container shipping. No, I like it. 
I like it. I get I get the criticism. I get why this isn't going to be for everyone, but I ultimately think it's it's a great project. And I think it's 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 a it's an amazing project to kind of finish your career with, which, you know, was prematurely for Zaha. But I don't know. I think she's got an incredible legacy and this just fits her practice, doesn't it? It was seven years ago this month that she passed away. And I think, Mm. I remember that day, I was literally stunned. Like, I could not believe, because she was literally at the peak of her career. There were so many Mm. huge projects coming out. And I remember it took a good couple of years afterwards for many of the things that she'd worked on and personally designed to to come through and complete. You know, Beijing, Dashing Airport's one that jumps to mind. Um, Miami's 1000 Museum skyscraper, fantastic building. There are, there are so many others. Mm. She just had her first big proper UK uh, project. And the UK had never really embraced Saha that much when she was alive, sadly, but she com- she completed the, uh, the Olympic pool, which was her first big uh, landmark project. She'd been made a dame. You know, she really was flying high. And I remember there was this, yeah, it, the news broke and it was just so shocking. So like you say, but is that looking back on many great famous people, famous artists through the decades, is that, t- that does tend to be what happens, doesn't it? You know, you see these people when they're, when they're cut down in their prime end up almost becoming more legendary. Yes. And do you think maybe we're looking back at this project and maybe other projects with like a little bit of nostalgia? Are we thinking, oh yeah, this was Zaha's last like building and, you know, are we almost giving it like a little bit more leeway where maybe there is some criticism that needs to be had, you know, because a a bit like what Liam said, it's like, yeah, do you know what? I think it is just, it's just doesn't work. Are, are Are we giving it? A pass, Fred, as fans of this? Hard to say. I personally loved this building when it was under construction, when it, when the renders mm. came out and before it completed. I do think there are kind of many examples, particularly in Europe, of big glass office buildings jumping up in, in port cities all over the place. This one really is well executed, is different, and it does stand out. And I think mm. I, I take your point, Luke, and I'm trying to apply the, the harshest view to it that I can. But even even through doing that, I do think this is a standout project by any measure. Oh. Oh. Do you know what we should do? We should do a poll. Do a poll on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> and then and then and then be like, well, hear about it on the world's best construction podcast afterwards. Do you know what I mean? Have that little link. Definitely. Yeah. Love it or yeah, hate mate. it. Let us know. Yeah. Yeah. All, all around the anniversary of Zaha's death, what could be more respectful? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll work out the wording on that one, Luke. I'll try not to get myself in trouble. Um, we want to talk a little bit about the, about the engineering of this well, because obviously we're talking about balancing this enormous five-story glass office block, 6,000 square meter glass office block on top of a historic firehouse. Mm. Uh, if you haven't seen this building or you're not familiar with it, you might be wondering how the heck did they do that? Basically... They've got, and they, one of the engineers, in fact, the architect from Zaha Deed who worked on this project, is in the video and describes this in some, in some detail. There's basically these two enormous concrete columns, one rising inside the courtyard and one outside the courtyard, uh, and they basically help this new office extension cantilever over the firehouse. The big column outside the courtyard is kind of this classic Zaha, very sharp, uh, kind of angular-shaped column that really is a landmark feature in itself. The, the, the extension of the firehouse don't touch, so the, the glass extension above and the firehouse don't touch each other. The only way they kind of intersect is with this uh, elevator shaft between the two uh, and with some kind of steel trusses in the in the courtyard area you can see in the photos. The new block, the new office block above, was built with these prefabricated trusses that were brought in by barge. So basically, they were assembled and welded together off-site, brought in by barge in sections and then craned into place on top of the legs over the firehouse and welded together and then clad in this kind of very dramatic glass facade which as Liam said evokes the it's designed to evoke the sea waves of the surrounding ports and also the diamond industry that Antwerp is famous for so Mm. it's a it's an incredible project. They've talked about in the video again there's the uh, engineering model the steel model about how they put this together there's talk about the the concrete frame structure, how there's this underground supporting beam, there's this structural ring that gets established to give the supporting structure its strength for the office building above. It's 
It's amazing, and the construction shots of this in the video are so cool. You've got these huge cranes lifting up these prefabricated steel trusses on top of these massive concrete columns. It's it's awesome. Like the architecture is amazing. We've talked at length about that, but the engineering of making it happen, of bringing something that bold to life, is remarkable. Let us know what you think about this one, guys. Do you love it or hate it? Is it a good move? Would you go and visit this project? Have you visited this project? What do you think of it? Get your comments coming in. Podcast at the B1M.com. Also in the news this week, architect A. Eugene Cohn has passed away at the age of 92. Now, Cohn co-founded the legendary practice Cohn, Pedersen, Fox, or KPF back in 1976. And that firm has gone on to have designed countless buildings worldwide, including more than 250 skyscrapers, many of which rank among the world's tallest buildings. The impact and legacy this guy leaves behind is astonishing. Um, this is really sad news. Obviously, it was 92. He had a battle with cancer, which is, you know, again, really sad to hear. Um, but his impact and legacy is is remarkable. Some projects, I mean, just these are just a handful of projects that his practice, KPF, have worked on over the years. Uh, 30 Hudson Yards and 10 Hudson Yards in New York, the Lot World Tower in Seoul, um, Abu Dhabi International Airport in Abu Dhabi, still ongoing, one Vanderbilt in New York, the International Commerce Center in Hong Kong, the Shanghai World Financial Center, funnily enough, in Shanghai, the list goes on and on and on and on i think it is remarkable how someone like that one person with that much vision can found a company that can then go on to have this level of impact worldwide is is just remarkable obviously we're not saying that all these products were were just down to him but he was very much you know one of the 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 co-founders of this business one of the main principles of this business and all of this has largely happened uh, off the back of the business he founded, well, literally through the business he founded. So, yeah, incredible stuff. What do you guys? What do you guys make of this? That Shanghai World Financial Center, mate. That is a special tower, isn't it? That is a special, special tower. The bottle opener. The bottle yeah. opener. <laughs> it's incredible, and I, and I love that the observation deck for it is kind of you've got that gap at the top, haven't you? You know that hole at the top, and. I love that the observation deck is at the top of that and it kind of just hangs, you know, into that gap. It's uh, it's it's special, mate. So many of these designs are so iconic and kind of synonymous with the cities they live in, you know, whether it's in New York or uh, in Seoul in Korea, Hudson Yards more recently. Um, and I know in, in, in recent podcasts, I've, I've sometimes been a bit critical of KPF. I don't think they always knock it out of the park, but um, there's no doubt that like a KPF skyscraper looks like a KPF skyscraper. Yeah. Whether, whether there's those like technical gaps every like 30 floors or whatever it is, there's something about it. There's something about the designs. Very, very, very special. But yeah, that Shanghai World Finance tower thing skyscraper that's got to be one of my favorite skyscrapers of all time really all time. E- easily yeah yeah come on Ooh. come on it's phenomenal yeah, it's pretty stunning mm. it's interesting to see it is this is obviously the pre-trees on buildings era <laughs> <laughs> right? it's Very true. true it's Very actually true, true. <laughs> or glass glass buildings i actually i love all of them i think they all look great one vanderbilt i've got a, a bit of a sweet spot before because we did a documentary on that a few years ago um which which yeah was amazing to see how they build in such a dense city in new york building at night trucking mm. resources and things like that um but they all do look a little bit similar yeah yeah, there's definitely a vernacular, right? There's definitely, a, and that's what I was saying about like, there's a KPF look to these towers. Um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 great though. Did uh, hang, hang on, no, you you talk, Fred, because I'm I'm fine. What has KPF done any <laughs> towers in London? Not big towers. They have, they have. Do you want me to just fill while you Google? Go, I fill while you Google. Yeah, go on. I go think, on. Uh, <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> It's natural that there are some projects that I think maybe don't hit the mark as much with KPF because of the sheer volume of projects they're doing. Like they have, they have built so they are involved and building and working on 
countless projects right now let alone the back catalogue of what they've built and produced it's it's astonishing the, the again i go back to what i said earlier the fact that three people can found a business and that business can go on to have the impact that it has on so many cities around the world in mm. such a big way is is testament to like i know this is getting a bit deep testament to human spirit for me like you know if you believe in something if you want something bad enough and you push for it and you fight for it and you build the business to support it you can you can get there you know and i think this really does these buildings we've highlighted here really do underpin that you know, you've got these enormous iconic structures on the new york skyline same in seoul same in abu dhabi same in you know in hong kong same in shanghai the impact the legacy is astonishing absolutely mate um finish your google I th- I, I, well i that? think we spill some more it's nah nah we're good we got caught up mate cheers though fred for that and very emotional i think also to add to that it's like to 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 get a little bit hollywood but it's like it's the american dream isn't it you it know is. like few your mates kind of like making this business and they're headquartered in new york and they've helped shape the new york skyline there's something like quite quite like romantic about that or poetic about that in it um yeah in london heron tower heron towers kpf mm-hmm. uh the south bank center extension and i think i think i need i need to double check this but i'm pretty sure um you know the original pinnacle that was going to yeah. be built was that kpf as well I'm not sure. The one that, that, was, that was the before it was going to be before it became 22 Bishops Gate. It was going to be the yeah. pinnacle, and 22 Bishops Gate is kind of like a watered down pinnacle, isn't it? I mean, watered down is a little bit polite, mate. Yeah, <laughs> that's a polite <laughs> way of putting it. But Liam, did you see, while you were over here? Did you ever see like the proposals for the pinnacle tower that were going to be in the square mile? Uh, I'm not sure, mate. Because. Mm. If you go to like parts of central London, you go to like gift shops, you know, like the cheap gift shops, the the mm-hmm. dodgy ones. Oxford Street. Yeah, you know it, mate. Classic you like Luke. you some you sometimes see like like um vectors of the London skyline that actually includes that building and it was never built. They 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 put it into merch and they put it into tourist stuff, thinking, Oh well, this is gonna be completed in a few years. So there is there are bits of like touristy tat out there that has this building on that doesn't exist and has been so there you go why are you hanging around shops like that Luke do you get on the megabus again nah is it near the megabus do I get on the megabus no mate you just walk past I just walk past them I'm like oh yeah there we go oh do you know Mm. what it might have been when I've got some like American friends and family over and they're like they, they buy into the whole tourist rubbish yeah. I think that was the last time I'd done it. Yeah, but I did notice. I've noticed it a few times. Have a look. Have a look. I don't, I, yeah, mate. I, you're the first person I've ever met that's actually gone into one of those shops. <laughs> yeah, they're awful. That, the, mate, like the, master, awful. the master of the royal family outside with the eyes cut out. Like, <laughs> who's, who's, who's buying and those them? Snow, those snow globe things, like, and it'll be like Prince Charles in the middle. Like, you're like, what? You know, what is this? What is this? Fred, what's, what's your favourite building on this Instagram carousel, mate? Ooh, it's a good question, Liam. I do like the Lot World Tower in Seoul. I think it's very mm. dramatic and impressive. Um, I find myself liking Hudson Yards in that shot. Now, right, not a big fan of those Hudson Yards skyscrapers. I'm a bit like, mm, but I, I find myself actually kind of quite liking them and the design, the way they catch the light, I think there are some streets, particularly through sort of Chelsea, Greenwich, the meatpacking district, where you can catch those skyscrapers down the street, and it looks they do look pretty incredible. I went up to the edge last year, which was awesome. Um, that's an amazing experience. And yeah, I do find myself quite liking 30 and 10 Hudson Yards. Uh, but I to answer your question, Liam, Lot World Tower. My least favourite is Von Vanderbilt. Sorry to say. What? Oh, yeah. Mate. I'd agree, actually. Why? It just looks a bit cheap compared to the rest of the skyline. And this thing that, you know, it's rising next to Grand Central and the Chrysler building. And this thing that its summit is supposed to be like a modern twist on the Chrysler building. Ah, pfft, total rubbish well, like, to me. It looks yeah. awful. It looks awful. It's, it's the it proportions like are all weird. 
the proportions are all weird as well. Like yeah. the top doesn't go with the bottom, I don't think. It looks like the roof of a regional shopping center. <laughs> <laughs> oh Fred mate, yes. Don't hold yeah, back, we mate. should have we should have negative episodes more often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone just whines <laughs> for fifty five minutes. <laughs> No, but seriously, like his impact is is astonishing. The number of buildings, mm-hmm. I mean, just Google KPF guys, the list goes on and on and on. They're a phenomenal practice. I should say the practice is obviously established and still going, but one of its co-founders has passed away and we're kind of paying tribute to the impact he had from founding a company back in 1976 to that company playing a huge role in shaping many of our cities, almost all of our cities, over the last few decades. So yeah, incredible stuff. Mm. Swinging over to the UK and back to uh, everyone's favourite rail projects, High Speed 2 HS2, which we covered uh, on the B1M last summer with a video that's now got 3.1 million views, guys. Shameless plug, but go and check that out on YouTube. I'm really, really proud of that. We've got access to HS2 sites. We've got an interview with the CEO. We've got access to government advisors. We've got the full timeline. We've got the economic analysis. We've got banging graphics. There's, There's me, but despite that, it's still quite a good video. Go and have a look. Check it out. Now, this, the saga of HS2 uh, continues, and it's had another twist in the last week or so. Basically, the UK government has announced that Phase 2A is going to be delayed by a further two years in order to, well, according to them, tackle rising construction costs brought about by extreme inflationary pressures. Now, a bit of context for you. Phase one is running from London Euston. Come back to that in a minute. London Euston up to Birmingham. Phase two A is going from Birmingham on to Crewe, and then phase two B goes from Crewe to Manchester and over to East Midlands Airport and up to Leeds. As you'll know from watching our video and studying our video and following HS2 in detail. Phase 2B has been cut back. It's no longer going to Leeds, and they are now deferring Phase 2A from Birmingham to Crewe, so that's not going to happen until 2036 now, I believe. There's also talk of the high-speed trains not going into the centre of London. In fact, it's been confirmed they're not going to go into the centre of London. They're going to stop at Old Old Oak Common, providing enough time for the government and the delivery vehicle and the architects to redesign Euston Station and get the most effective, cost-effective design they can. So when the uh, when the Phase 1 route first opens, you'll have to get the Elizabeth Line out to Old Oak Common and then go high speed up to Birmingham. What do you guys mm. make of this? Are we, are, we, are we too surprised? After we did the documentary, we did a podcast episode on it. They were cancelling things back then. Um, so mm. the redesigning Euston Station to cut costs. I mean, how much costs can they save from redesigning it? What we say in the video is that they were they were redesigning the station after construction had started anyway. I mean, fair enough that was the above ground bit, but you know, to still be kicking it around and working out the best ways to design it as cost effectively as possible after you've started building. Is and the money they've put into the, removing these, you know, uh, Roman burial grounds and stuff they've discovered out just outside Euston Station has been extraordinary. To now not have the trains run from central London, run from some obscure location, Old Oak Common, that you have to get to by other forms of public transport to then go high speed up to Birmingham, defeats defeats the object, defeats the object of the of the rail line. It's a joke. Mm. Where where is Old Oak Common? Couldn't tell you, mate. It's like northwest London, basically. Northwest, northwest oh, like, London, like yeah. zone like six, three, three, oh, three. four. Ooh, couldn't right. pick a zone. I don't know. Shout out to anyone old coming. Sorry if I've offended you, but uh, <laughs> not quite, not quite London Euston, is it? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's not really the point. No, exactly, mate. It's just it, it, it's um, it feels like it's a bit of a mockery. Do you know what I mean? I'm, you know, it feels like a parody, and um. Ah, oh, I don't know. It's 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 so it must be so frustrating as well. Like I was thinking about this the other day for like the rest of the UK hearing about stuff like the Elizabeth line, which you know should be celebrated. You know, okay, it's not perfect, but the Elizabeth line is a triumph, mate. You know, for a city like London, an old ancient city like London to have like a new rail line that is that efficient, that is that 
clean and, and wonderful and beautiful. Um, and yet HS2 is kind of just plodding along. Um, it's not steaming ahead. It's, I, you know, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. And in, I don't know, they just need to get their act together. I think you just need to accept the fact it's going to cost a lot of money, guys. It's going to cost a lot of money. But the benefits will be, it's an investment. And like what Liam said, we've we've spoken about this at length before. But the fact that <laughs> that these decisions have been made, the fact that they're going, nah, do you know what? It's not going to go into central London. I can't believe that. I cannot believe that. That is, uh, that's unreal. It can't be true. It I know. Just, in my I've... head, I can't believe it. It can't be true. It's more than frustrating for me, quite frankly. This has been kicked around since mm. 2009. Yes, mm. it's controversial. We've been through that in the video in detail. We've talked to people on both sides of the argument. We understand that it's a lot of money, it's a lot of hassle, it's a lot of disruption, but that the prize on the other side, the economic growth long-term, makes it worth it. We've had the long debate about that. For it now to be half-built or built in some kind of sub, you know, just incomplete way that doesn't deliver the full value proposition of what all this pain was about in the first, first place... Mm. is incredibly disappointing. Add in the fact that, as I said, kicked around from 2009 under Gordon Brown as Prime Minister, it was way up in 2019, 10 wow. years later that Boris Johnson gave the final order to proceed, a Prime Minister who was elected on the promise of levelling up the North, to then cancel and claw back the bits that go to Leeds and cancel the bit that goes from Birmingham to Manchester, is outrageous. It's a joke. Like, And, and the idea that... <laughs> It's going to save money because of inflationary costs. You know, this is being built in the mid 2030s in a completely different economic cycle. There's been a leaked government come out from the sorry, a leaked uh, document come out from the government yesterday, where Department for Transport officials are saying it's actually going to cost them more money, which doesn't surprise me at all. It's not a cost saving; <laughs> it's costing them more money. <laughs> And this episode, this episode is so good, isn't it? <laughs> we're, we're having a problem. This is like I'm sorry, the most British. I, I, I do like it. Frustrates me because it's it's bad for the image of construction. Like yeah, I've been is. to the HS2 sites. I can see it is an astonishing feat of engineering. The people working on this are doing a good job. It is an amazing feat of construction. But the yeah. the leadership on it is is a mess. You know, we're now saying to the supply chain. Oh, actually, you know that that project you were gearing up to and building factories for and training staff for. Or we, we can't, we might not do that now. We don't know when it might happen. You know, the architects designing <laughs> uh, Euston have had to announce a round of redundancies because they can't, they don't have the certainty anymore that project's going to be happening. <laughs> it's it's beyond a joke. We just need someone to say, "Hey, we're building this in full. It's going ahead. No debate. No kicking it around. No trying to cost save or bring things down." I would like to think that there are intelligent people sat around a table here with all the right data analysis trying to make the right decisions. But I have to say, what it looks like from the outside mm. is a half-baked, idiotic project that now doesn't deliver on the one thing it was supposed to deliver, levelling up the north of the UK. How you must feel if you're in Manchester, Leeds, mm. anywhere in the Midlands, to now find out this railway isn't coming to you must be beyond frustrating sorry i know i'm ranting a lot more than usual but look it it winds me up they they need a fred mills do you know what i mean they need a fred mills evidently no you're right though mate you're right and you're well within your right to feel like that and a lot of people are in their right to feel like that but yeah it's disappointing it's disappointing what's the likelihood that it will they will actually pick it up though if something typically gets delayed for however long, what, four or five years, some of the phases, things like that. What is the actual likelihood of someone of them actually going, okay, cool, we're in a better position now to pick this up? Like, does that does that even happen? Maybe a change of government. Yeah, I was going to say, Maybe. Going, once you've built the big bit between Birmingham and Old Oak Common, you know, even saying, oh, yeah, let's go to London. Where are we? Old Oak Common. Great. <laughs> <laughs> not, quite, not quite the intercity... <laughs> connectivity we were expecting door to door is it um again sorry if you're in old oak common i'll come down for a coffee one day i love you love you guys um <laughs> you know yeah 
move down five economic cycles and I don't know twenty more conservative prime ministers, and yeah, you end up with someone going, oh, actually. Do you know what? It could be quite cheap here to just connect HS2 from Old Oak Common to Euston. And there'll be a big fanfare and they go, oh yeah, look, this is a great project. And there'll be a big opening. They'll be slapping each other on the back going, oh yeah, this is a fantastic connection for London. And, you know, it's just... It, yeah, Luke's right. It'll be some other Prime Minister, some other time, going, oh, we're going to finally link up these different parts of the railway while the rest of the world's just, and I have to say, not the US, because the US high-speed railway is also a joke. But the rest of Europe and Asia just crack on building high-speed rail and boosting their economies. It's it's beyond a joke. It's costing the dilly dallying is costing more money. If you just said to the construction industry, it's this, it's going from here to here, the construction industry could mobilize, they could plan for it, they could build for it, we could create the jobs for it, it would be great. <laughs> it's really good that the main bit, the 140-mile stretch, whatever it is, from London-ish to Birmingham-ish, is going ahead. That's really good. But the rest of it, just <laughs> sorry, I've now, I've now, any impartiality from me on HS2 is, is, is gone. I was genuinely quite conflicted. I did the, there's amazing engineering, still is amazing engineering, amazing teams, amazing building teams, but they get a bad press by being messed around yeah. by leadership. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right, mate. You're right. We hear you. We see you. We see you. Is there bright? Is there like Brighton news? Is that happy? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've somewhat brought this conversation to an end. I feel, I feel like rant. this last this last project's just going to get slammed. <laughs> I can feel it. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Why uh, not? Now, staying in the UK, we are going over to South Bank, London, <laughs> but a stomping ground for me, very near the B1M's office. I know South Bank very, very well, where a new 10-story office block is set to rise. Uh, it's going to, um, well, it's positioned on a site between, on the waterfront, between a grade two listed pub and the former Financial Times building. So quite a sensitive site here, quite a high profile site. Its block forms are going to cantilever out over these new, uh, well, new kind of modest public areas at ground level. Bjark Ingalls design, it's got kind of quite a classic Bjark Ingalls look. It's also got this brick cladding across it, which uh, is intended to reference the industrial warehouses that once stood on the site. Mm-hmm. I've said it's got this kind of like grid formation. You've got these, if you're not looking at this right now, you've got this kind of brick clad grid formation with very large, what look like floor-to-ceiling glass windows across the whole building. It does look pretty good. The detail looks pretty good. I imagine if you're in it, you're going to have great views of London <laughs> and the river. The office space, I'm sure, will be snapped up. We've got trees on buildings because, hey, it's 2023 and architects are putting trees on buildings. It's just all a bit lacklustre. What do you guys think? Go on, Liam. Go on. I like it, mate. I like it. I'm completely opposed to all your opinions today, friend. Sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so you support HS2's delay, do you? No, I don't. No, I don't. I'll take that there back. You go. But there you um, go. I think I think this, mate, on in, in South Bank, I've spent a lot of time there. I think the nod to the industrial buildings, the brickwork fits in with the surroundings, with that part of London. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't want anything too flashy there, you know, too modern. I think it would look out of place, and I think it, it, it that's not London. I do think that they should have to do renders with grey sky in London so it's more realistic because (laughs) there's a lot of blue sky, there's a lot of like light on the building and it doesn't really give you an idea of, you know, the final tones and things like that. Um, So, yeah, it's a a thumbs up for me, guys. What um, what are your thoughts, Luke? Yeah, I think, um, you know, like the use of brick, things like that, those sort of materials, yeah, great. I'm a I'm a massive fan of brick in like really big projects. Um, uh, with this, I think for me, Fred, Liam, I think that it's more like the shape. I I I, I think the shape is almost like a a '90s throwback. You know, like a '90s office. Um, and this this is kind of like what we're tearing down, isn't it? At the moment, you know, buildings like this are getting torn down. And being replaced by bigger buildings or skyscrapers, so 
I, th- you know, I think a lot of it will come down to execution and finish and, and the actual quality of the materials. It's one thing saying, oh, yeah, we're going to use brick and we're going to reference the, 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 the industrial past of London. Well, is it the right kind of brick? I know that sounds probably really daft, but I th- actually, no, I think a lot of people listening to this will, that will resonate with a lot of people. So, yeah, I think it's going to come down to finish um, and how, I don't know, how people will interact with this building. I think it's okay. But I, I, I think, Liam, you make a great point by saying, look, it's not meant to be an iconic superstar on the river. It is meant to kind of just blend in. I think, um, yeah, definitely. And I think it's a step up from the IBM building on in South Bank. Oh, that, that building whoa. is an eyesore. That's probably the, the my most hated building in the yes. world. Yes, Oof. the IBM in South Bank. Yeah, yeah, it's horrible. We we used to look out the window to that every day eating lunch, Fred. And I, it's just an eyesore. <laughs> yeah, big grey brick looks awfully Soviet and not mm. in the best way. You know, yeah. it's it's. it's not in a good way (laughs) you know because there are some soviet buildings you're like oh mate that's awesome that just looks tremendous but nah the ibm i can't believe they built this kind of rubbish in such a central like prime location yeah can't believe it i can't like a bunker mate they got away with it yeah it does Hmm. liam you're underneath. liam is on form today fred yeah Liam's on form today. You're spot on, mate. It does look like a, a bunker. Some <laughs> submarine's going to come out of it. Now, Fred, could, could you imagine, mate, the B1M office in this building? <laughs> Top floor. I could. I could. It's nice, isn't it? It's got nice floor-to-ceiling glass windows. I think my, my hesitation with it is it, like, as we said, it's not like a landmark, unforgettable piece of global architecture, is it? I guess I'm, I'm, I've been spoiled by all the other big products we've been talking about today, so I was expecting something more. But you're right, it does fit in. It's 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 quite um, empathetic, sympathetic to its sights. It understands where it is. It's not trying to be too much. It's quite gentle to its surroundings. So, yeah, I like it. It's, it's, it's beige. Second <laughs> render, you know we talked about the other week where you've got Every render in Dubai has got the Burj Khalifa stuck in the background. Well, second render here, we've got the shards in the background. I mean, how you quite see the shards from that angle or that part of the river, I'm not. Anyway, we've got we've got a lovely silhouette of the shard just to make you, <laughs> you understand. It's London. You're in the financial heart. <laughs> you know. oh, looks good. Looks good. Um, a few comments on this one were saying nice. Uh, looks nice, but what about when there isn't the radiant sunshine striking the facade <laughs> to Liam's point? Um, another bland brick and glass facade. Someone else saying so. So the sun, the sun doesn't rise or set from that part of London. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I, live, I, live, I lived in Bermondsey behind the shard for uh, for a couple of years. You wouldn't get the sun on that angle. It it rises in no, 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 it rises in the east. It would, it would yeah, be. I think you're right, mate. To the left, mate. To the very left. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, those renders, eh? Cheeky. Unless, unless you've got yourself in a little compass tizzy like Luke did last week, and you're going to come back and have to explain yourself. I'm still, I'm still convinced. I've there's some truth to, to what I said. <laughs> <laughs> the cladding's make the cladding is making the building lean, yeah, and and the cladding is southwest-ish facing, not north facing. Uh, the cladding is not making right. that building lean. Just, just to just to clarify, that isn't that is an allegation in court. Not confirmed. That's what I got. Mm. That's what I yeah. got from it. I don't, I don't think anyone by you has thought about that, Luke. Just to just to let your little heart rest at peace. I don't. I don't think anyone's sitting there going, "Oh, that Luke. How's Cheers, that chat?" Mate. I was up. I was up all night about it last night, <laughs> thinking, "How am I going like to? How am I going to frazzle? How am I going <laughs> to frazzle?" <laughs> <laughs> Oh, other thing I want to shout out this week is a little event we have coming up on the 29th of March. This is an online uh, digital event we are doing with Build Dots, uh, all about what well, the event's called. Why can't we build as fast as the Empire State Building? So we're going to be looking at 
how engineers and construction teams were able to build the Empire State Building at an astonishing speed, just one year and 45 days to build a 102-story building in Manhattan that became the world's tallest building for the next 40 years, and what the difference is with today's construction sector and why we can't get to that level of efficiency anymore. Looking a bit at how the industry has changed, obviously things like health and safety, labour practices, uh, the interconnected global supply chain, but also how technology innovations might now be able to help us uh, crack this and get to those levels of efficiency once again. I'm very excited for this. We've got an awesome panel. So it's hosted by me. What more could you want, guys, than Fred Mills yet again coming down your computer, talking to you on a live event? Um, And some awesome construction uh, experts. Chief among them, I'm excited to say, Carol Willis, who is the founder and director of New York's Skyscraper Museum, and who co-wrote the book, the book, called Building the Empire State, all about how quickly they built that tower. So this is going to be awesome. We've got Carol on the panel, which I'm very, very excited about. Carol was the star of our Christmas long-form documentary, Why New York's Skyscrapers Keep Changing Shape. So she's familiar to the B1M, she's already a big hit. We've also got Andy Steele, who is a strategic construction advisor, Tom Huber-Smith, who is project director at Waits Group in the UK, and also Aviv, who is the co-founder of Build Dots. Really nice guy. I can't wait to get Aviv on there and hear his uh, hear his insights and expertise as well. So free to register, free to attend, 29th of March, live, online event. Make sure you're there, guys. Please turn up. I'd really appreciate you being there. Registration link is all across the B1M socials. Go and check it out. Now, coming over to the inbox, what's been happening in the DMs this week, Mr. Bly? Well, for time reasons, I think we're only going to look at one one review, but it's a good review, mate. It's five stars, um, and it says, great show. It's from Alex Mathy? Matty? Mathy? I don't know. Anyway, Alex goes and says, great listen, although I still can't work out who is Luke and who is Liam. <laughs> Slightly worried. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think Fred introduces us each week. Yeah, yeah. Li- Liam's got the one. He's the one without the British accent. Yeah. Although there's a lot of lot of people say that there's a lot of similarities between the Essex and Aussie Kiwi accent, the Estuary accent. Who says that? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, linguistic studies, Fred. Suggest that that's where. <laughs> oh, it so comes this isn't from, people mate. emailing yeah, don't get emailing and saying Fred. it. This no, isn't, this isn't people. This is like Luke's got in his back pocket. He's, he's Googled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Cheers, Liam. Uh, anyway, so slightly worried Fred now has no kidneys after having to sell one to travel from an airport and selling the other to take his wife on a mini break. Must be true love. It's great that the show also takes a social perspective to construction, such as sustainability, social inequality, and greenwashing. Keep up the good work. What a lovely little review, eh? Cheers, Alex, mate. That's very nice. It's true. I have no kidneys. I'm now hooked up to a machine all the time. Just wheel it around with me. (laughs) 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 Well observed. Well observed. That's nice feedback. There's another email coming, uh, which you're not going to read out, Luke. You're going to save that for next week, are you? Yeah, let's save it just for time because it's a big boy. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, just it's for a time. big boy. And just so you from- can work out how to respond to the criticism. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's from Clark, though, yeah? Clark will get Clark from Germany. We're going to get back to you, mate. We're going to get mm. back to you. Mm. Yeah. I'll make sure we will, Clark. Don't you worry, mate. We're not going to miss your email out <laughs> where you say about my media expertise being superior to that of Luke oh, and Liam. Spo- don't, don't spoil it, Fred, mm. mate. Yeah? <laughs> I just want to make sure it's on record, mate. It just disappears into your little archives somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys, let us know. Hey, I haven't got time write for this one. Account. Yeah, yeah. Caroline, write this. Oh, this is a great point. Make sure you get this. <laughs> I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have time for Brenner account, honestly. Well, I'm not that desperate either. I've got genuine success, whereas Luke feels the need to back up his own intro. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. All right, Fred. I see how it is, mate. I see how it is. All right. Say less. 
let's wrap it up come on let's, let's wrap <laughs> it's had enough now it's over <laughs> guys let us know what you thought about this episode sorry for my big old rant in places we had we a, a good old good old chat this morning haven't we but uh let us know your thoughts get them coming in podcast at the b1m.com send us your reviews keep sending us your messages emails reviews we really love reading them and reading them out on the show and we're going to see you next week Yeah, I'm alright. Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. Not too bad. <laughs> yeah, good man. Good man. For Luke. He's going to listen to this and go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's been on right. Rover app, isn't it? Dogs are yeah, looking app. after some more dogs, isn't it? <laughs> the Aussie, Aussie, the Essex Aussie Kiwi accent, you know, it's like, it's like quite similar, isn't it? I read it on the internet. <laughs> Oh, he'd have so much worse on us. His impressions of us would be so much worse. <laughs>